it's not really yeah. like you can't really go outside you know it's like oh you shouldn't be you know spending a prolonged time out there because the air quality is so bad but um there's this little thing going on i don't know if you've heard of it called COVID 19. oh yeah it's like you can't really go uh inside either so it's like uh, yeah the county of la recommends you not spend any time indoors or outdoors so it's like okay cool good, good stuff so yeah we just like just leave leave the county leave the state just stay in the house what color is the sky it's like a um honestly it looks like a the whole day the orange. has looked like a sunset through fog like and it's looked like that for like uh maybe two days where there's like it's like overcast because all the smoke it's like Ooh. it's like that picture i sent you of the the Olkin Alameda County Coliseum. Memorial Coliseum. Yeah. The apocalyptic sunset with just the cardboard cutouts. Imagine like showing that to somebody last year. They'd be like, what is going on? Yeah. It, it's just like my favorite out of context headline from this year is I saw this thing like, uh, you know, the release date for Wonder Woman uh, delayed a fifth time. And I was just like, imagine if you show that to someone in like 2019. It's like, guess why Wonder Woman was delayed five times? You'd be like, uh, uh. Yeah, they would just pick, their scope would just be like so zoomed in. It would just be like, oh, it's all like movie and Hollywood related reasons. It's like, no, global pandemic, everything else. Yeah, just wildly gesture and everything. Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the I guess I should introduce this now. Uh, my yeah. name is Jack, and uh, that's Sam. And uh, welcome back to Reeling in the Years. Um, just as kind, of, kind of reminder, we're listening to music of one year for a set amount of time, and basically just kind of going through it and saying what we like and trying to kind of understand that year and what it's about and all the different you know musical facets of it. Um, yeah, so we're about last time we randomly picked a year. Turned out to be 1976, and we're about a week week into that right now. Yeah. So Sam here. Uh, we've been listening to a lot of 1976 music. So it's in, an interesting contrast between what we initially latched onto when we figured out our year was going to be 1976, Dad. Because I know we went right for like all like the classic rock and hits there. That's what we gravitated towards. But really, now that we're looking at the Billboard top 100 like their hot 100 of the the top songs of 76 we got a lot of disco <laughs> disco um r&b funk it it's a lot of stuff that we didn't hone in on initially yeah well what's interesting is it's funny all these forest fires are going on in california actually and this year i think is like the theme is almost like a forest fire it's like you have this like you know what the early 70s was which these big albums you know the 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 AOR the AM radio, and seventy six is like the the trees are tall and a little dry and everything's kind of just chugging along barely, and then you have like the twin fires of punk and disco, which are both kind of simultaneously just like starting right now. That basically just clear out the entire forest of like what was there even you know two years ago, and this really is the year of change. But because uh, by the time you get to seventy seven. You know, those lists, those years are just all punk and all disco. But like 75 just definitely feels like a, you know, of that era before. So it's kind of like you're seeing this transition happen. Like, even though it's more of the former than the latter, it, it's still just kind of like the, the year where this kind of change happens, you know? 
Yeah, and so disco is just rising through everything. And as we start to listen to these songs, even pop songs by established artists who have been around for years, you'll find in the production values of these songs, like a lot of disco influence and like like disco strings, disco horn arrangements, uh, a lot of disco drumming. So it's cool that uh, once we start playing some of these songs to hear like the, the obvious disco influence. And disco, so disco's not quite yet at uh, critical mass, but it's definitely like part of the cultural zeitgeist of 76. I yeah. would say like by 77, like you get like Saturday Night Fever and just the Bee Gees on that soundtrack to that. And then just disco is everywhere. And then shortly after that, it just becomes like, too much and then the backlash against disco is very strong and very swift and by the end of yeah. the 70s already you have like disco demolition night yeah i looked it up in uh prohibition that was 79 so basically in 76 like clearly this hasn't taken off yet and um studio 54 didn't open until 77 so really uh -huh. this is just like it really only had two years where it was like the unquestioned ruler and um Again, this is just the, the, the very beginnings of it. You see, and you can see in some of these songs too, like some aren't that good, but some of them you're just like, yeah, I want to hear more of this. And that's what people wanted and that's what they got, you know? Yeah, the disco on the charts, you know, it's fresh and new and it's fun. Like I, I've been enjoying all the disco songs I've been listening to. I have too. Um, there, there's two in particular that I'm just like, wow, this goes so hard. So we should... We'll see how many of these we get through. Maybe we can do like a whole disco episode. That might be might be kind of fun. Or, or just talking about like, you know, what the pop was, then disco, what the rock was, and punk, and just basically how this stuff clears out. But today what we're going to do is we're going to go through the billboard charts. Just what was big, what was um, the number one songs, or the songs that were hanging out at number two for, you know, forever, never hit number one. Basically just like, you know, you're talking about a year. I think one of the most interesting to do is what, took over the radio, what took over the airwaves, what what were people like the most people listening to back then, I think is kind of like a really interesting way to understand music as a cultural snapshot, you know? All right, should we start uh, rolling on these tunes? Let's do it. All right, so here we're starting out with the number one song overall of 1976, and that is Silly Love Songs by Wings. So this is a very interesting intro before it starts cranking up into uh, very pure pop. Yeah, it's almost like so, industrial or something. I don't know. Now we, we get some familiar McCartney sounds coupled with uh, some disco production value. Yeah, so I have a... Right off the bat... Oh, go on. Go for it. Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to guess right off the bat that... Uh, Knowing your taste in music, that you're not a fan of this, but I—I I think I this is one of the you. worst songs ever written. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you would—I knew you would be a fan of it. it like there, there are going to be some songs on here that I'm going to be like, "This is so fucking good. This is gold." But I honestly think that if you were to say like, "What is the worst song ever?" Like, obviously, it's some like high school band that made some unlistenable garbage. But like, in terms of being like a number one hit, a song that everyone knows, and you're like, "Yeah, that song sucks." This might be my answer. <laughs> really? Yeah. See, I knew you wouldn't like it, but I I didn't know if you were gonna like this really hate it or just not care for it. But I yeah. I knew uh, I knew you would be a fan. This is just uh, I know you you'll like you love the Beatles and you you like McCartney songs, but this is just too far uh, along the kind of sugary sweet 
pop spectrum for you. Yeah, it, it, it's like, it doesn't justify itself. Like, that chorus is just corny and annoying. And these horns are like an insult to horns. It makes like horns not sound like sexy and fun. Like, it's just like too like, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I like them and I, I like the disco strings too. I think with this song, it's just because, like I've told you, I've been a big Beatles fan for a while and I was on a, a really big Beatles kick this summer and particularly liking the McCartney songs uh, this time around. I think, you know, John Lennon has his famous insult for McCartney's music, which was he just wrote granny music. He just wrote, <laughs> and, and this is sort of like, like, all I say, this is his granny. This and Wicked for Christmas Time are like the grannyest songs. Yeah, but I think, but it's, I think this is a self-aware song. It's a I do agree. It I knows think... it's like, a, it knows it is a silly love song. It's like, kind of just like tongue-in-cheekly, like making fun of itself. But that doesn't change the fact that these melodies are annoying and stupid and corny. Like, it's, it's, even above what the song's about, it's just like, sounds stupid. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's just like, Paul singing in his very, like, soothing, smooth voice. There's nothing, there's no edges on this song at all. You know, the, the horns don't have uh, a blare to them. The strings uh, are very mellow. Like, it, it's just like a very easy to consume, fun, silly love song. And it knows what it is, and he knows what he's doing here. And I, I think he's just almost kind of ironically putting out a song that's just uh, so I a have silly a, love song to the max. And so, I have like, a very uh, vivid memory um, about the song. And I was at the Fuddruckers in a strip mall in my hometown of Methuen, Massachusetts and was eating there alone for some reason because I was supposed to be meeting someone or something like that, but it fell through, I'm just like, whatever. And I remember just like, underneath all this like tacky stuff on the wall and they had like the radio and the air conditioner both a little too loud. And just like sitting there in this Fuddruckers listening to this song and just thinking just how fucking terrible it was. <laughs> how old were you when this incident occurred? 19. Like. So already, like, way back then, it made such such a powerful impression on you. You don't remember the circumstances, why you were there, but, like, that moment's just burned at the time of you just it literally strongly is. disliking like, a song. Like, on my fucking deathbed, there's going to be all this, like, good shit, but I'm going to be like, oh, I fucking hate that song, so we love songs. And it's just, like, etched in there like that. <laughs> Do also, you think Paul McCartney and Wings, then... Like, or Paul McCartney's a songwriter may have the the greatest range in songs then uh, for you for for hate and love. Oh, it, it would have to be by default just because of how low I put the song and how like you know Eleanor Rigby is one of those songs that's like the justification of pop music's very existence. You know what I mean? Like right. Like I'm sure there's a, a McCartney penned song somewhere in your top 100 favorite songs if you thought oh, about it. Yeah. And this is probably for you in the in the bottom 100. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say 100. I, I would be pretty confident if you wrote 25 for both. <laughs> I think it's just so funny, like, how much you hate this song. I, I knew you would like it, but I didn't know you would have such visceral disdain for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it makes sense. But we talked about how long it is. This is not the single edit. This is like a six minute album cut. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. It's so bad. Like to be, you have to be annoyingly catchy to be a worst song too, because the worst song can't be boring. 
you know, it has to like yeah. take a chance and do something. And then just like make you want to kill everyone just because of how grating it is. And you know, that succeeds at that. So I I don't know, I like it. It's just I it's just I don't evaluate it as, as seriously because I I know what he's getting at. And yet like the, the audiences of seventy six like considered that the top song they bought it the most. Whether yeah, it was like McCartney's popularity and Wings popularity. Alright. Just how easily digestible it was. If you want to talk about pop songs that I think go hard, fuck as hard as they humanly can, let's talk about this one. This is another very straightforward pop song with disco influences. This song is really good. <laughs> I I like this song a lot. This is Don't Go so Breaking good. My Heart by like, Elton I... John and E.D. Duet. I'll just read off the title, I guess. Yeah, my... Sorry. My uh, memory of this, I actually have another very specific memory. This is here in quarantine. So, like, uh, we were at the, the grocery store, and it was me and my wife, and we all, you know, everyone was having their mask on, and there was, like, this other couple, um, uh, like, just further down in the aisle. And it was like, this song came on to little tinny uh, speakers, and we all just started, like, grooving to this. And it was, like, this moment of found happiness in the middle of just this shitty situation and both of us had a look on our face like this song this song is doing it to us like we didn't think of this song like this but it did it you know yeah it's good like it's uh i mean it's funny you you got like number one in this charts you know wings mccartney number two Elton john they're both just pop rock staples of the last few decades these are like their disco pop songs and uh i, I will say favor elton's but, uh, you know, they're good. Yeah. This one's really good. I, I love the production on this. I, I think the strings the really this. shine in this song. Oh, absolutely. And that, like, guitar right there just it has this, like, forward momentum to it that just keeps it going, keeps it fun, keeps it light, where the McCartney one's almost, like, drown and schmaltz, you know? Yeah. Like, the strings are just constant throughout this track, but they're, they're, they're very busy, but they just fit, you know? Yeah, it just it, you're like flowing along in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some somehow they're not not as sugary sweet in this song as they are in the Wings song. And I love how like it explodes too, like that ooh ooh. Like I don't know. It's just oof. Like this this is another very dense kind of Wallace on production song, and we'll find that in almost all of these in the charts in '76. Very little stripped down songs made it all the way up, but. It all just works together in a cohesive whole. I, uh... No, 100%. It's the interplay between Elton's vocals and Kiki D. I, I don't know a lot about Kiki D. What, uh... Do we know anything else she's done? I don't know. I, I know her be... for being the other half of the duet in this song. She's great. Yeah, no, it's great. This is a song, too. I can just, like, imagine him at this, like, big piano and her, like, hamming it up and just, like... There's, like, a vibe. You know? Ooh, this this string solo right here. And it's just fun. Like, this is a song, too, that's like... You know, it's just so simple. It doesn't need to say how it's a silly love song tongue-in-cheek. It just is. It just is a silly love song, and it yeah. works. And it's yeah. better for that. It doesn't have to be grating and thought out. It's just... It just feels so natural. You know? Yeah. Uh, I love the drumming on this track too. 
very, you know, just straightforward, but I think it's the mixing of it. That stare I agree. This, this just screams like a wood paneled room somewhere like deep in LA. And like, you know, oh, we're going to give it to the fucking expert, whoever the fuck that is, you know? Yeah. Right, guitar work, the, you know? That yeah, kind of like funk guitar work. All right, let's get on to the next song. All right. We're moving on now. This is the number three song of 1976, Disco Lady by Johnny Taylor. This is one of those songs that's like, and obviously I showed that, like, you know, like, amazing pop song, I thought, and shitty pop song. This is one that's like, yeah, I understand why this is on the radio. You know, it's fine. It's yeah. good. Um, you know, seven out of ten. Something I'm going to say, well, quite a bit, I think. You know, it's just, yeah. it's good. Yeah, this is like middle of the road. I, I expect it to be on the charts for the time frame we're speaking of, but yeah. neither and does it really jump out like at That bass line's good, you know? It's a little simple. Bass. It's a little simple to just be like, oh my god, I, I love this so much, but you know, it's got a groove to it, you know? Yeah. Another thing, I guess, with all these songs, they all have great bass. Just the bass tone that they're getting now and the, the bass lines. I think yeah. just recording technology and improved to a point by the mid-70s where like you could really just pick up like a really full resonant bass tone and uh, it's in full effect in the production of all of these. Yeah, well keep in mind, disco had been like floating around in like, you know, underground in New York and Philly and especially these like, you know, spaces that like these uh, dance halls and people of color that weren't really, people weren't giving a shit about. And, yeah. you know, it, it just kind of, you know, the, the bass line's the, the heart of the dance. Like, there is no disco song about bass line, you know? Yeah, the, the drums and the bass, I guess I'm planning myself listening to the, the rhythm section. Yeah, like, honestly, at this point, listen to that guitar. It's like that kind of, like, you know, not wah, but just, like, effect-laden guitar is almost there for atmosphere more than it carries any melody or beat or anything, you know? Yeah, what kind of pedal effect you think is on that guitar? You think they're using wah on it? I don't, but it, it's something similar to that, you know? Or do you think... Or do you think it'd be, like, a clavinet? That, something like that makes sense, yeah. But like this, like, you know, the bass line went kind of hard, but this is just, you know, boring, but fine. But then goes yeah. into here, boom, like, it's a good bass line, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's interesting, looking ahead on this list, like, all of these songs are still pretty well known and in the cultural consciousness of today. But this song kind of fell by the wayside. You don't really hear this on the radio, or, you know, in this, this one's not a supermarket song, like Silly Love Songs or Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Um, yeah, there, there's like a canon, and this song is on like the, the canon B list or something like that. Like, it's around and you hear it, but it's yeah. not a song that, you know... Like, it's not a brand new song to us, but it's not one that you just kind of hear, you know, when you're out and about in day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Alright, let's move on. Alright, we're moving on to December 1963, Oh What a Night by Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Damn. Yeah, so, I, I love this song. This song is so, so fun. This is another one I'm saying. It doesn't need to justify it just this. So I, got, I got a hot take on this song, which is that 
when he sings a falsetto right before the chorus, it sounds like it's going to explode into like the greatest chorus of all time, but then just circles back around. Like, there's a moment here where you really just want to like throw your fists up as high as they can go, and it can't quite reach its potential. You know? I think I think this song's really solid. So this is Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, a group that really kind of blew up around the era described in this song, December 1963. Yeah, I was when was their big thing? Because they were like, they're not a band that we're gonna like, they're before when we're planning on Sardinus in 64, you know? Yeah, like the Four Seasons were came up as like a doo-wop group Jersey. And this is like one of their big comeback hits. Like this is like years after their heyday. And Frankie Valli, so, you know, their their lead singer, isn't oh, singing it's a, it's a lead on second. most of the you just went it to like, oh, I, I just like hear something there that's just like big, and then oh, back to the same melody, and you're just like, oh, I, like, cause that falsetto part is so good, where it just has yeah. all this anticipation to it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, Maybe it's it's going for a, a, a lower level. Like the explosion is is this part where we get the disco horns. Yeah. And that synth thing. So what, this is maybe like 15 years after like uh, the Four Seasons Peak, which is kind of yeah. crazy. That would be today like, I don't know, like 2005, like, I don't know, the Black Eyed Peas having a comeback song or something like that. You're like, oh shit, this is kind of out of date right now, you know? Especially just how much music changed between the early 60s and now the mid-70s. Yeah. Like here they are with very distinct disco production, but if you listen to their early songs, like, you know, it's just pure doo-wop. <laughs> so. Yeah. 100%. But uh, this is the, the drummer singing lead, and Frankie Valli is singing uh, just the bridge part and uh, some of these pre-chorus parts. So he's taking Damn. a back seat for the drummer right now. For the fourth season. <laughs> What a lady and what a night. I'll, I'll drink to that. I'll drink. Fuck. Yeah. Alright, let's move on to the next song. No, I, I want to finish this one. Got oh, 30 fuck. Alright, let's do it. I think this bridge part sounds great. Yeah, this now is the explosion these I wanted the whole like, song. Yeah. It, this is what I wanted the entire fucking song. Yeah, the, and that payoff is just like five seconds before a fade out. Uh, it feels good. <laughs> no, that that should be like twenty minutes twice in each song, uh, twice in the song. Ooh, damn. All right, now we're on to play that funky music by Wild Cherry. So what's crazy about this song is it sounds like a like copy of like a Sly the Family Stone song circa like 1973 yeah. and I mean that like I mean that's a compliment like if you're gonna copy any band that's the band who's copying the time to copy them you know because you got that like you know big slap bass line it's almost like the last like like funk like this isn't really around much anymore like you know Parliament and Funkadelic have released the big albums and Stevie Wonder's last classic albums this year, and it's like, you know, the kind of like dance space in the pop charts is about to be seated completely disco, and it's like the last thing of like the other world, you know? 
Yeah. Like, this has definitely got the, the funk influence. You know, before these first few songs you listen to, all more straightforward pop. This song is great. Oh, it is great, yeah. And I love it, too. They're just like, is this a man that's just like a bunch of white guys from Ohio? Yeah, just like a bunch of white guys from Jersey, I believe. Jersey, yeah. But, yeah, they're just a, a one-hit wonder. They, you know, latched on to that funk sound. It just kind of rode with it to get this number one hit. Oh, you're right, but they like, are from Ohio. You call them yeah. Music. Fucking, it's like that meme. It was all Ohio all along. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was these guys. Wild Cherry out of Ohio. Man, if just you told me a man was named Wild Cherry out of Ohio, like, I'd expect like some air metal shit from like, not this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they, they really kind of got their way up the charts by kind of copying the style of bands from like people of color like Sly and the Family Stone. But especially like the this this, this sing-along part and like over a slap bass, like that is the Sly and the Family Stone playbook. You know? Yeah. But I uh, know if if we ever do our like episode of I think it's seventy one or seventy two when uh, there's a riots going on, uh, you will basically see me You'll never see me uh, shill for an album that much, even though it's probably going to be an album like that every year, but I just will, like, defend to the death. And that, that's one of them, so. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go on to the next one. All right, this next one, I love the intro to this song. Uh, so let's let's sit back and just listen to the spoken word intro to this. This is Kiss and Say Goodbye by the Manhattans. This has got to be the saddest. Ooh, actually, let me. I want to finish this solo. This is a good solo. It is a good solo, yeah. I called you here today for a bit of bad news. All right, here we go. Kiss and say goodbye. I won't be able to see you anymore. Oh, damn. Because of my obligations. Base voice. And the ties that you have. Oh, no, not bad news. We've been meeting here Ooh. every day. Oh, no. Ugh. You're making my breakup sexy. This is our last day together. Obligations. I want to hold you. Just one more time. His voice is so smooth. Away, I know. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Smooth bass. I'm just like, break up with me. Ooh, last day together. I want to remember you. Just Ooh, like fuck. this. Let's just Here kiss we go. and say goodbye. There's just so many things to say. Uh, and then that, oh. Please don't stop me till I'm through. This is really like, I hate to do. This is like perfect balance for the time. Yeah, it's funny how there's like different parts of the song like that's just like dramatic intro into that horn part to kick it up it's so good it just kind of just grabs your attention because you're like who's this guy with his voice it's yeah just... like that's the kind of thing you know boys to men would copy later on a lot of uh, r&b i don't know if this is one of the first to do it but Many months have passed us by. 
Yeah, this is fucking hard. I'm gonna miss you. I can't lie. Fucking different horn parts of the song. This is a really good horn part. What's funny about this song is for like an R&B crooner song, you think like the performance of him singing is going to be the best part, the heart. But in some ways, it's almost it's, it's good. But like it's the horns, it's the arrangement, it's the, the, the call and response. It's like just like all the sides in the dish are just so perfectly prepared, you know? Yeah, this is very just very rich production. Yeah. I wouldn't call it like Walla Sound like some of these others either. There's a lot no. going on, but it it all just kind of works together to create just like a very smooth listening experience. It's harmonies too. I know. I'm gonna miss you. Yeah, I want to finish listening to this whole, whole tune. What's funny is they're kind of like a, uh, like, they're not like a huge band. They're kind of just like a band that had like two or three hits and a couple small hits. And because it already is such a throwback to kind of like 60s stuff, just updated, that it's not one that you're going to be, people be like, that's the fucking band. You know what I mean? Because yeah. this was already kind of retro when it came out. Yeah, I was I'm looking up more about this song now. I was curious if it was a Motown or Tamla release, but it's uh, Columbia Records. Yeah. It's just people who are like, you know, this is like 10 years after it sucks has gone away. People just missing it, you know? Because like if this song was released in, you know, 1966, it also would have been a hit, you know? Strings are more Motown strings than disco strings. Maybe I, that's what I'm hearing. I, you're right. It is. I think that's on purpose, too. Yeah. All right. We're moving on now. Love Machine, part one by The Miracles. Here we have some actual uh, Motown. Yeah. <laughs> the growl vocal. I know. Fucking. Too much. But even then, though, you get, like... This is like basically a disco song with the like the B in those like you know like it, it just definitely sounds very updated. Yeah, I got the fast beat, bass busy. So these are the miracles of you know 1960s Motown fame. No longer fronted by Smokey Robinson. They got a new lead singer, and they're all kind of updated for the 70s. They're still going. Now they're now they got the Love Machine. Part one. Part one. Is there a part two? Sure. <laughs> It'd be funny if there was only a part one, yeah. Part one. Again, this is one of those ones. It's just like, you know, like a fun little pop song I, I can't be mad at. A lot of songs you get on the radio are like, this really isn't that good, but this one's like, it just worms in your head in a way that isn't annoying. And if you can do that, it's like, that's what a pop song is, you know? Yeah. It really opens up here. Like, it's just flying here. But then it always just walks back into that groove in a way you're like, hey, I remember this good groove. And then back to the groove. Yeah. Yeah, it's growing on me a lot. <laughs> what do you think of that, that growl vocal, though? Oh, I, I love it. It's not a growl. Stupid. I don't know what to call it. 
I just love stupid shit like that. I'm, I'm into it. I, I think every song should sample that. So there is a Love Machine part two, and it was the B side to this. I'd be curious to see to hear what part two sounds like. Maybe it's like a. I hope it's like a cheesy ballad or something like that, or just like it's supposed to be like a, a thematic suite. Yeah, like part one is this upbeat one, and then you know, part two is just the sadder, more down tempo. <laughs> The machine powering down. <laughs> it's at ooh, uh, but like in reverse, so it's like ooh. <laughs> Let's get on to the next one. All right. Now we're going on to uh, another familiar face name, Paul Simon, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Oh, I love this song. I don't know. I don't care for this one too much. Oh, the song is so good. I love I love like the, the the drums that are just like kinds that like weird drum beat. It's the most like you're in a band and the drummer's just hanging out and wants to just like play a drum beat. Everyone knows to just like fuck around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like this drum beat too. It's a little acoustic guitar over it, and, Paul, and it's just like you know him having fun, just like rhyme. It's basically just Paul Simon like rhyming words. You know? Yeah. I don't know why I don't like it. I'm trying to figure it out right now never cared for this song and I love Paul Simon love Simon and Garfunkel I love Simon's solo career Graceland's one of my favorite albums of all time I don't know why yeah, this doesn't have some like Graceland vibes too there's like nothing like explicitly like African like that one but like you got this big drum beat over these kind of just like soft it's not like synths here it's kind of like this like acoustic guitar but it has the same feel you know even this song, once you get to the chorus, has got some disco production in It's true, actually. I never thought of this as a disco reaction song, but it is. Like, right here. Yeah, because you've got that little hi hat thing going on. Yeah. You know, I said I didn't like it coming into it, but listening to it in the context of all these other songs, I, I'm feeling it a little more. But I think it just comes down to like the chorus, the the, the gimmick of him just like rhyming with a different name each time, just kind of like I'm just kind of like blah about it. I think that's the only reason I don't like this song. Sam isn't one of the names, right? No. No, Stan is. Imagine if it was Sam. It was just like get a new plan, Sam. Sam. <laughs> get a new plan, Sam. I was about to say, if, if I, I thought it wasn't, but I knew it was close. And if it was, man, it would be the only song that had both their names in it. And then we'd have to, like, make it our theme song or something. Maybe back to back, too. Maybe we could just, like, audio manipulate the stand to take the out. <laughs> yeah. Know. Make a new plan, Sam. Make a new plan. Yeah, maybe, yeah, the gimmick of just like a lot of different names with the rhymes and stuff. I just, it's just something I don't really like. Yeah, like, do you like Mambo number five? I don't really like Mambo number five either. And that's a song that just drops a lot of different first names. Yeah, it is funny. That, that's a pretty good thing too. It feels very gimmicky. It's like, it's not necessarily bad, but like the, the production, the music. You know, the melodies are all great in the song. I just don't think I like the, the gimmick of all the names. That might be the reason I don't like it. Which is kind of a weird reason not to like it, uh, all things considered. But, you know. Well, this this is one of those songs that it, 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 it's like... Songs take on a different meaning when they're a number one, you know, pop song in the canon. Because then it becomes about, like, 
there's almost like a winking element to it. It's like, hey, it's just rhyming shit. Like, if you take it completely seriously, yeah, the song is not nearly as good because it's like, it's just rhyming names, cool. You know, you kind of need yeah. like a little bit of just like winking, we're all in this together, singing along aspect to literally unleash it. Yeah. And it is kind of a wink song, but he's not like winking enough for me. So it's just torn between a little too serious and a little too jokey. I don't know. I know. So I guess this is where showing our irony levels here between this and Silly Love Songs. So. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I love Silly Love Songs. You hated it. And then you like 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. I don't like it. Two, from two iconic Pauls who yeah. gained their fame in the 60s to the greatest songwriters. Just clinging on to relevance with some like disco updates. Yeah. Alright, now we're on to Love is Alive by Gary Wright. I don't know this song super well. This is so one of those songs that's I... carried by the chorus. Like, there's like a groove here too, but this almost feels like a proto, like, you know, just normal, bland, white guy singing pop songs like Huey Lewis or something like that. Like, in that, like, yeah. same lineage. And it's like, this is fine, you know, it's like boring, whatever. But it, it's one song that will kind of explode a little bit. Do you know Dreamweaver? Oh, yeah. Dreamweaver, the other Gary Wright song released this year, is like weird and interesting, but I love Dreamweaver. It's so cool. Whereas this song is more forgettable to me. Yeah, I, I can get that. Dreamweaver is weird. This is a song that's like that chorus that we just listened to, just like, I don't know. It just like scratches that itch of just like a great melody that just makes my brain sore. My brain feels like it's soaring, and I'm like, God, I have to listen to this asshole and all this weird bland white guy dance music to just like sucks but then it gets good yeah yeah at some point we'll have to cover dreamweaver because that's like a very like spooky weird kind of fall sounding song but this is like that it's good. It, it, it reminds me of like uh, like 80s pop songs. It, it does. Later. Like, it, it is weird that Huey Lewis was my first like thing. Is Gary Wright ahead of his time? Is that what we're figuring out? I guess so. Or or is Gary Wright just like proto pop for a lot of those guys? Who come oh my on? god. He's like the Velvet Underground of like 80 cents yacht rock. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when, when does the yacht rock era begin? say do, do you think it begins by like 75 76 yeah um it, it's I like mean, yacht rock is like a term that came out in the last 10 years to describe music from the 70s and 80s that kind of fits a certain you know dynamic so i guess it's yeah. whatever you want it to be but, it, but it, i would so call it yacht rock 75 to 84 so it's like you know one of the um first kind of Yacht Rock songs, but it, it's still something that's still picking up a little bit, you know? Yeah, I, I would call this a, a Yacht Rock really song. I I would, you know, be on a yacht listening to Love is Alive by Gary Wright. <laughs> and yeah, enjoying it. Like to walk through your hair, holding a champagne glass as this is playing, just like beautiful women all around you. It's like the sun's Love going down. On. Yeah. So, ooh, this end part. People are tempting because I don't think I've really scrutinized this song much before. Yeah, so much 80s pop would end up sounding like this in the years that come. 
Yeah, these songs are different, like kind of like evolution trees that like come after them. So. Yeah, it is true. Some of these are just like you know you can see the seeds. Some of them you can see the fruit. Some of them you can see like the the cane tree behind it. It's like weird, you know. Yeah. Uh, so this is a fifth of Beethoven by Walter Murphy. This is we're getting to the the weird part in the charts. This is the number ten song, nineteen seventy six. It hit number one in the summer of seventy six. And it is a disco version of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, First Movement. God, this is one of those songs that's just like so stupid that if you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it wrong. It's just like, oh shit, it's that part. Oh shit, we're dancing. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's just a lot of balls on it. I think it's clever to to attempt to update like a, a classical standard to fit the pop disco frame of the day. No, I, I just think I it's think a, it silly, a, a silly project that's just like, oh shit, yeah, man, let's do it. Oh, fuck, man, it works great, you know? Yeah, like reading more about what went into this song, I guess Walter Murphy was asked by a producer to try to update classical music. Oh my god, into the I love present. it. He, he did a, a demo tape of a few, and it was passed around and nobody bit, nobody wanted it, but uh, but they, they did like the take on Beethoven here. So somewhere out there, there's there's a few other classical hits merged with the disco that just didn't quite work. But this this is the right balance. I found do its you, footing. Do you and think this might be one of the first like sampled songs of all time? Like obviously not, but like this has to be like this is before sampling's really like a thing, like it is, you know? Yeah, and it, w- it wouldn't be a sample in traditional sense so much as like he just scored and rearranged like. The, the you know melodies and motifs that were most popular in the first movement of the fifth symphony and then just added a bunch of other flashy disco stuff like like these organ parts here so as mentioned earlier uh walter murphy you know he's been kicking around for decades these days he's probably most famous for working with seth MacFarlane on his tv shows like he did he scored uh, a lot of the songs found in family guy and american dad so you can you can kind of see where this came from and can you imagine people like disco dancing to this version back then like it's just so I interesting way too easily yeah yeah it, it's just like the right you know dynamic range dramatic enough but it's got the the underlying beat and you know the right disco instrumentation that it just works i think it's cool man I can understand how this just like broke Disco Stew's brain and turned him into the person he was. <laughs> broke his brain and he remained caught in Disco World forever. All right, now we're moving Man, to number eleven. Earlier that I thought like of like Paul notes uh, kind of had their thing. You know, this has to be one of the first songs. Yeah, this is Sarah Smile by Paul notes. Hollow Notes started breaking in in the early 70s. They were around for like 10 years before they started getting like enormous in the 80s. Uh, oh, but I got to them. I got to them this summer. They have an album, uh, Abandoned Luncheonette. There was a song in that movie, Palm Springs. I don't know if you watched that on Hulu. I have not yet, no. Uh, really good. But there's a song in a, a scene at the end of the movie that was a Hollow Notes song, and it was so good. Um,. I recommend it. I think it's from 74, <laughs> uh, when the morning comes. But er, so earlier, Hollow Notes is a lot more um, straightforward, 
you know, R&B and other influences before they just went full-on 80s pop 10 years later. Yeah, like, this is just, like, this is, again, we're talking about Yacht Rock. Yeah. Hollow Notes is one of, like, the flagship bands of, of Yacht Rock. Like, yeah, like, other than Michael McDonald, they might be number two. Yeah, like, you know, when you're you're riding on the yacht, you're just playing a steady diet of Hall & Oates from all eras. It just oh, yeah. works. It's, the, it's what works. yachts were made for, Hall & Oates. Yeah, this is fucking... This is a yacht song. Like, this, this is a great R&B ballad. But, like, I love it, too. It just, like, has those things where, like, you know, it's a song where if you only heard this part, you're like, oh, this is a little boring, go try it, whatever. And then it explodes in that chorus, and you just, like, have to start, like, snapping along to it. You know, with those harmonies. And... Yeah, I, I like this in the same way that I like Kiss and Say Goodbye by the Manhattans from earlier. That same kind of, like, really smooth ballad. Just feels good. It does feel good. Breathe, like a breezy, breezy ballad. Yeah, this is just like, man, wind in your hair. You're imagining there is no pandemic. Oh yeah, strings just break it wide open. And those like, I love that harmony. Those like soft blues in the background. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I was saying to you the other day, it was like, all these pop songs have just elaborate string arrangements, and I was just wondering how, like, bands would recreate them live touring. Would they just have other instruments still in? Would they just play a backing track? Would they just ignore it completely? Oh, shit. This is fucking... All right. Yeah, right. I bet you that that's, like... You know, the big bands, like Paul Simon, I'm sure, had, like, you know, strings behind him or whatever. But, like, a lot of these things are made to be played in, like, discotheque, you know? Yeah. All right, we're at number 12, Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band. Now, this is a straightforward, Man. sugary pop song, beautiful harmonies, and it's just all innuendo. <laughs> I know. People, anyone who thinks that, like, you know, like, there's, uh, you know, the, the viral video of, like, Ben Shapiro talking about how that song, Wet Ass Pussy, how horrible it is, now music doesn't have to be like this, like, this song is fucking 40 years old, and it's just like, man, what's fucking today? Yeah, it's uh, it's just all sex metaphors, and it's just such a sunny, innocent-sounding pop song, like, still this is like a, this is another, like, like, mall or supermarket pop song that you hear. 100%. This is another one where, like, man, you want to hate that song, but that chorus just explodes. And you're like, God damn it, I can't hate this as much as I want to, you know? Compared to the rest of the charts, this, this almost sounds like a crossover hit because it's just so straightforward. There's no disco or R&B or funk influence in this. It's just like a, a very, like, pure like sugary pop song yeah if anyways this is almost like has more in common with like 60s folk like than anything else we've heard yeah particularly those like 60s folk harmonies yeah yeah 
I love it. It's funny just how these songs that like this song couldn't work unless everyone loved it. Like in other words, like like it's just oh it's silly and it's on the radio and it's like a wink of everyone who's actually like listened to the lyrics. Like this song wouldn't be as fun unless it was a big pop song, you know? Like this isn't one if you yeah. found on your own you would just be like, good, what is this? You know? Yeah, a product of its time and the way the charts worked back then too. Like a song like this, I don't know, would even go anywhere in the present, but the time has worked so well. It does. Man, I wonder how many It's just wholesome sounding, but it's not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's like fuck you almost in a weird way. It's like, you know, it's wholesome, but it's not. I wonder how many people's uh, memory of the song is associated with the Anchorman scene. That's admittedly what came to my mind hearing it. But it is like, for our generation, that's what it's tied to more. We didn't grow up with this on the radio. Grew up with it on Anchorman. Yeah, but it, it's like, it's a funny song. It really is. Like, it, it's the perfect yeah. song to do it for, you know? I like it. All right, next one we got I Write the Songs by Barry Manilow. The first uh, Manilow we're accounting for here. Yeah. Manilow was gigantic in the 70s. My mom loves Barry the Manilow. Yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll let you guess my opinion on this song, Sam. Very unfavorable. Yes. Like, like, fuck, this sucks so bad. See, those other ballads that we got, like Sarah's Smile and Kiss and Say Goodbye, they were like so smooth, but this is just, you know, the, the painful sincerity yeah, painful of, of the piano ballad, you know? And, and it, it's just like, he's singing as like the point of view of his music, like what does that even mean? Like fucking, uh, and I can just imagine him up there on the stage and just like, I do not like this. It's a very take itself seriously song. Like I write the songs and make the whole world sing. God, and it's like it's just like it's a beautiful song about like I can imagine like who would like the song and what would think about it. But like it's not catchy, it's an overwrought concept, the arrangement doesn't do anything interesting. It doesn't explode. It's it's just a song that's like literally like the make you think emoji, you know? Yeah, this is not an explosion song. This is just a piano ballad all the way through. But and, like, the you know, piano it takes sucks. Seriously, like, there's no wink. There's no what? There's no uh, wink to the audience like some of these other like purposeful pop songs. Just it takes itself very seriously. There's like a, a seriousness to it that you know doesn't make it fun. You know. God, I can, I can just imagine my personal hell might be like seeing Barry Manilow in concert and just being around a bunch of like crying like 63 year olds listening to this and just play like, my god, just kill me. I admire it for what it's doing, but this, I think this is the first song of the ones you've encountered in his charts that just doesn't have any like sense of playfulness or fun to it. It just is too much, but yeah. you know, I. I respect what it's trying to do. But I think you're finding not me, like, people, like I can understand. Like, like I, I love songs that just like are trying to make a point and pull your heartstrings, and that's part of the musical experience. But like, 
Fuck, this sucks so hard. It's like heartstring manipulation. If you're not buying into it, then you're immediately turned off on it, I think. Yeah. Alright, shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. It's fine, but not my cup of tea. I think it's funny our contrast with uh, where you have like the, the strong visceral uh, reactions, and I'm I'm a lot more kind of apologetic almost to some of the songs. Like, ah, that's yeah. not for me, but... Well, it's going to be the opposite when we're doing, like, I don't know, something like Metal Machine Music, and I'm just going to be like, oh, I'll listen to it, and you're going to be like, Jack, what the fuck is wrong with you? So. I can appreciate metal, the Metal Machine. But, uh, yeah, that just as a, a big pop fan in general, I think I, I could be a lot more apologetic of what was, like, chart-topping. And, but I, I like your contrasting, like, no tolerance. Like, you're saying, like, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Some songs just are, you know? Yeah. All right, we're moving on. We got next, Fly Robin Fly by the Silver Convention. Now, this is this is disco, and this is fun. There are very few lyrics oh, yeah, in this one. Song. Of these songs like... This is good. The strings really shine in this one. But even that oh, drum beat, look at that perfect disco drum beat. Perfect disco keys. Now this is an emblematic disco song. This yeah. is like this goes on all the disco compilations for a reason. Man, just imagine like fucking like this this just seems like a disco tech kinda like dancing out late, everyone's feeling good song, you know? Yeah. Of like the disco that I've been exploring since we started this, this has been one of the standouts to me. I was excited to be reaching this. I think this is one of like my my big takeaways. I, I, I like this one a lot. So my favorite disco song when listening to some of this is actually the song that I'm pretty sure you're gonna play next. Yeah. But this song also goes. Like again it is, it's just it's stupid, it's fun, it's dancey, but like you can't have a song that's too smart that's like a dance song. You just need to turn your brain off, you know? Like, this is this is all dance. There's not a lot of lyrics. Just fly, rub, and fly up up to the sky. But this is the part, right, which I love coming up right here. Ugh. Perfect use of the strings. This is what I mean where the strings shine. Like, this is string dominant, and it's amazing. Cathartic. This is yeah, really that is like fly, for fly. This, this is like flying. Like this is like cruising in the yacht, flying. <laughs> like a band like Silver Convention, who wasn't a big band. Like, what, did they tour? How did they play the song? How did they do the string parts playing live? Did they tour with something? Did they use a track they production only? Who yeah. were they? Who is the Silver Convention? <laughs> they we just, don't know. Is a thing. The Robins who flew in and did the song and then flew back to their home planet. The answer is they are West Germans. Oh Munich. my god. Oh, this. From their Euro Disco, which I, I get this now. This is very German. This is very German. Right here. Here we go. And it's funny, like, I don't get tired of it. Like,. The lyrics keep repeating. It's like, you know, the dance songs we grew up with, like, where you just got a lot of synths and beats and drops and things. It follows a similar kind of principle. There's not a lot going on lyrically. This is a song to just groove out and dance to. 
and it's funny i was talking about that frankie valley song which i think can kind of like be a little repetitive and there's a moment you want it to change and it doesn't and this one doesn't change that much it just feels so in the groove and natural you know i guess it helps mm-hmm. that this like wordless chorus is so good but the chorus is just like beautiful strings synced with you know the band Yeah, this is, this is Euro Disco. Man, when you said German, I was curious, so I looked it up. Um, this We are not going to be listening to any Kraftwerk this year because it's in between 1975 Radioactivity and 1977 Trans-Europe Express. So, oh, he just like landed right in between. Right in between. There, yeah. are, there are a few, like King Floyd, Springsteen. There's a bunch of big bands that I'm with. All right, here's the one uh, you were excited about. This is Love Hangover by Diana Ross. So this, to me, is like one of the best fake-out songs of all time. Like, um, almost like Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. Where the first half is kind of like this you know decent r&b song where you're thinking like yeah i guess it's got a groove i guess it's good you kind of talk yourself into it and then about like a third of the way through the song the beat drops and you're just like oh oh here's what's really happening you know yeah because this is fine it's like the beginning of take me out you're just like okay all right this is a song that people like I, i guess i get it that's what you're thinking right now like i guess i get it you know yeah this one, this one's got that uh, that smoothness feel of some of the other songs we talked about. Yeah, you know, it's, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is another icon of Motown era. Oh yeah, and it's got that they're Motown just seeing feel. the people on the chart, their evolution from their, you know, what they're putting out in the '60s to how they evolved in the '70s to where they're at by the mid '70s. Mm-hmm. And they're all trying to like find a way. And you're just like, whoa, what just happened? Ooh. Isn't that so good? That sounds so good. I like love guitar. disco guitar. It's like the best. Ooh. And the bass compliment to get. I know. But, but. And she knows it too. Yeah, she's getting into it. So this is still a Motown song. So they're released on Motown. Yeah. There's Motown in the L.A. years. Yep. Oh, just that beat is so good. Oh, yeah. Like what that hi-hat's doing. I know. going on in the background that's like lower the mix but it just creates this kind of groove you have to work for which makes you like search out more and get like deeper into it you know yeah i didn't really know this song before now this is good yeah they just lock into this groove 
Oh, that's so good. I'm going to have a uh, love hangover. By that, I mean a hangover hangover tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> uh, that bass just goes up. It's such like that like hi-hat in that just slinky bass line. This is just so disco, but so good. Oh man, apparently this is the single edit and there is an eight minute long version of the song. Ooh. I bet I bet it sounds really good in the single edit. More breathing room. Yeah. Alright, after this one, we'll start skipping around a bit, I think. We can start I, I think that makes quickly. sense. This last one here, this is Get Closer by Seals and Croft of Summer Breeze fame. I don't really know this song very well. Uh, another song that's just all schmaltz and doesn't have the thing to back it up. Another song sucks. We've done the top 15, this is 16. Yeah, this is just like bland. Let's, uh, let's get to the chorus. Let's see what the chorus has to offer. I guess this is going back to the Yacht Rock thing, but this is just such a weaker Yacht Rock song than like the Hall Note song, you know? Yeah. I mean, Summer Breeze, flagship Yacht Rock song, but this just doesn't have what Summer Breeze is. No. This is just, this makes me want to get off the yacht. I'm just like, this is not my scene, and you invited me on, and you had good drugs and good music, and I stayed on, but now I want to get off. This is the docking music. This is what they're playing when they're pulling into the dock. The yacht and, ride's over. And everyone, like, the people who really are committed are still grooving, and you're like, it's time to leave. Yeah, this is like, get close, get closer, getting close to the dock. This yacht ride's over. All right, you want to skip uh, skip onward? Let's do it. Next one on the list, More, More, More by Andrea True Connection. This is a pretty good disco hit. Let's, let's listen a little bit of More, do More, it. More. See, this one's already starting off fun. Yeah, this is a fun one. Yeah, this is like, yeah. This is like the type of song you heard on the radio, and it's like a disco song, and you're just like, you don't hate it, but it's not like something you ever like got back into. It's just one of those fun songs in the ether that, you know, when I hear this on the radio, yeah. I'll be fine with it. I won't turn it off, but I'm never going to like search it out. I like it. Uh, the chorus really opens up. It, I do agree. It's a very good anthemic chorus. Here we go. This is the one. Uh, as a kid, uh, my family we had like a disco cassette tape, which is like a compilation album, and this is one of the tracks on it. So I remember this. This one. is like the most like disco compilation cassette tape song. Yeah. All right. Are you viewing the same list that I'm viewing? What, are, I think are there I am. any? Uh, yeah. Um, the next How about, song uh, you pick up 
let's pick out an next track we can put on. Let's do you, sexy thing. I, that's the one I was looking at too. Yeah. So just for some info on some other things coming up, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody is here on the chart. Uh, it was such a smash hit in '75. It carried over into '76 in the winter, so it was still on the charts here. But that's that's more of an iconic '75 song. We've got a few more R&B and, and disco, and now we're doing "You Sexy Thing" by Hot Chocolate. Everyone knows this one. Oh, this is a, still so good. This is a song that's been maybe played on commercials in my life more than any song ever, and it can't ruin it. Just perfect. Just fucking perfect. Now that we've been listening to enough, you could like pick out the formula of a lot of these songs, you know, with this, this string flourish here, you know, a guitar motif here. But it works, like this. I like how, like, like this guitar is a little more prominent, a little weirder. Almost sounds like a war song, almost. You know? Yeah. Like, it's kind of got that, like, slow-driving beat to it, even though it's, like, a fast disco song. It's weird, you know? Yeah, there are a few, like, interesting effects flourishes, too. Like, that... that yeah. Sound. And I like... I love these songs where the B section, like literally only exists to like just break it up so it just feels so good when it gets back to DA you know mm-hmm. like this is fine oh uh, gets back to it you're like oh hell yeah Yeah, that, that guitar tone right there. I know, it's so perfect. It's like six notes, too. And it's just like spaced out and just floats. Any other songs that really hit you on here? Yeah, I, I had a couple I could put on. Uh, let's see. Let's want me, want me to put on one. Yeah, do it. All right, here's one that's a, a little bit of a mix-up. That's fine. This is "Love Roller Coaster" by the Ohio Players. Oh, this song is so good. I was gonna do this one too. Like I first heard this, the Red Hot Chili, Chili Peppers, Peppers cover. cover. Chili Peppers cover is good, but this is better. But the original. Another one of those like funk leftover songs. Yeah, but like that funk guitar here feels so good. was Ohio all along. I guess we're learning today that Ohio is a center of like 1976 funk. Yeah. This, this billboard chart is just all astronaut memes. Oh. 
this really just has the funk formula down where it's just like all these just like parts thrown together and it's just like gets together on pure like groove and gumption, you know? Oh, and those horns? Oh, so good. This is, this is the horns done right. Yeah, 100%. So clearly, like, through going through this chart, we're hearing a lot of instances of, like, you know, strings done well, strings not quite fitting. Then we also separately have, like, horns done right, horns not quite fitting. But, uh, this is, this is definitely horns done right. Alright, you, you'll see anything on this, on the, the top of this chart here that you yeah. want to highlight? Let's do Dreamweaver. Alright. Dreamweaver, I... Alright, this is Dreamweaver by Gary Wright. Another Gary Wright on the list. Spooky. Yeah, this drive. is a weird song. Yeah. I remember driving home from Pennsylvania once as a kid. It was like late at night, my dad was driving, my mom and my brother were asleep, and I was up, and this song came on the radio, and it was so spooky and weird, but I was so entranced by it. I love it. I'm gonna assume, like, you're, you're driving from Western PA, right? Yeah. This was, like, almost back, so, like, you know, night, you're tired from the road, you're almost home. Driving through the forest of Connecticut. Yeah. There's Dreamweavers on on the radio, it's quiet, and I'm just listening and staring out the window. Yeah, this is the most like driving with your parents weary at the end of the night song. I think that exists. Yeah. But this song is, to me, is just beautiful. Like, it's just so interesting. And it's so different from the other Gary Wright song, which is Pinnacle Yacht Rock. Yeah. Proto, proto 80s pop. This is like almost like proto power ballad. Yeah. Like, this is a power ballad. Yeah. But it's got that it's got that seventies organ kind of tone to it. But the strings on it sound like synth strings or some sort of early program sound of strings, you know? Yeah, those definitely sound like synths, yeah. Because it's in the drain. Weird synth sound effects and stuff. It's like he's just playing around with a lot of synthesizers. Creating this kind of like, you know, dreamy beard ballad. For comparing yeah. ballads here, like compare this to the uh, Barry Manilow song you were a fan of earlier. Like this, this is way more interesting. Oh, this is interesting musically, even before this chorus, which is oh so good. And then the, the organ comes in more prominently to just make it just more anthemic and just close the loop in your head, you know? Uh huh. I love those, like, early... That's like an early synth band. Yeah. I want to read more about the creation of this Man, so there's winners and losers in uh, every year. And I guess the winner here is the uh, Gary Wright, who really only had this one album. Yeah, this was, this was his year. So his album came out right at the end of, like, 75 and broke through in 76 on the charts. And then he just disappeared as quickly as he appeared. Fun fact about him, he played keyboards on All Things Must Pass. No kidding. Yeah. Dreamweaver, I believe we can reach the 
there's one takeaway from this episode. It's Gary Wright, interesting guy. <laughs> yeah. He was a former child actor. He performed on Broadway. Wow. There's just more and more layers of the Gary Wright story. Uh, yeah, he, you know, did film soundtracks. He was a member of a regular star in his all-star band. Oh, cool. I would love to see Ringo live now. I follow him on uh, Instagram, and he, he manages his own social media, and it's so Ringo. you got to check out Ringo on Instagram. Yeah, have you heard of this Ringo Star Guys, everyone? Yeah, he just, like, signs everything, peace and love, and just does a bunch of emojis. I'm like, oh, Ringo. I do love those rock stars that have so much clout and so much money that they don't need to have, like, a perfectly managed... Uh, social media, which is like any actor, you see something, you're just like, oh, you didn't post that. You just had some like ironic teams trading emails about whether or not you should post that, you know? And like, yeah, like Ringo, you know, he's super wholesome. And like his publicist probably like, oh, Ringo's got this. Like people love it. Just keep posting his, his, you know, pictures and things. So this next song that's about to start playing, it's been my favorite disco song I've been into in 76. Just turn the beat around by Vicky Sue Robinson. I think this is a good. We'll talk about this, but I think this is a good song to end to too. It's just so All good. Right, we'll we'll sign off to turn the beat around. This really upbeat. This is everything that's good about disco. One hundred percent. Just like fun, and you can dance to it, and just like it's immediate. You can't describe it. How does it get your feet moving? I'm grooving in my chair right now. It's fucking Saturday night and I'm alone. I shouldn't be grooving. Yes. And it makes me groove. You know? Robin. So, there is the Gloria Stefan version that came out like 20 years later. But this original, I think, just has the, the perfect energy. Like, the disco strings, perfect, the guitar, the backing vocals singing the chorus while Vicky just, you know, vocalizes and improvises just it's, it just seems pure, like, emotion-driven. I I love the energy to this song. Yeah, and that's one thing I love about music, is it more than any other medium can just, like, trap an emotion in ember. And, like, just, like, the, the chorus behind it just seems like the, the club singing, like, the, the fun time around you. And then her, like, improvising over it is just, like, the emotional pain that you're going through in the dance floor. And it just really makes this communal thing seems so immediate and personal. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Like, the she just trusts her backup singers to just carry the chorus, Well, she just goes off on her own, and it's just, like, so fun. Like, her energy level is probably just, like, a one-take, you know, energetic performance, and it's just infectious. This is one of those songs here. that, like, her performance is great, and the song is great, but, like, if you put this in there with someone who had a little more je ne sais quoi, this might have been one of the the first song we listened to because it's such an obvious hit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think just as is, like, I, I love the performance. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I, I don't mean to make that as an insult. Like, I'm just saying, like, like, I don't think we've gone harder on saying we love the song more than this, you know? Yeah. And the, and the percussion too. The drums are just driving. They're in a groove, and then you got the congas layered on top, just like getting those polygons going. And then the key changes, the modulation. Uh, 
I'm a sucker for modulation. I know. It's gonna be a running joke, trust us. Yeah, play us out, Vicky. So overall, I think this is a pretty good digest of what was big, what was on the top of charts in 76. Yeah, the schmaltzy pop, the disco influence everything, the R&B, funk. You had some rock. Afternoon Delight. Yeah, we skipped over the very few rock songs from on there. We'll, we'll get back to those another times. But like, this really was the era of like disco, though. Yeah. Actually, I think there's one more song we should listen to before we end for the night. Do it. I think you know which one I mean. <laughs> this is a song that was a number one single, a top, a top song in the country, and it is a novelty song where Donald Duck is basically singing half it. Do it. Went to the party the other night. Oh wow. All the ladies were treating me. Right off the bat, you got kind of a duck effect. Moving my feet to the disco beat. Do you think they made that sound and were like, this sounds like a duck? And then they just made a whole song around it. <laughs> no, I read about it. It was made to be a novelty hit and they um they actually got someone to like make a duck voice. All of a sudden I hey. the change. I was on the dance floor acting strange. Man, I wanted like, do you think there's either no drugs and someone's like, this is how I'm gonna like make my like dumb novelty pop single? Or do you think there's all these drugs where basically a bunch of record producers did like lines of cocaine and be like, ducks are what the kids are into? It's like they're trying to predict the, the right intersection of novelty hit and. Oh. Clearly, clearly Donald. I looked it up. Disney did not sue. And I'm surprised because Disney sues over everything. Like, don't you feel like Disney would sue over this? Absolutely. They'd be like, they, they're they the most trigger-happy lawyers in the business. And here you got a number one hit single where Donald Duck is singing disco. <laughs> and like, That's they like could iconic just, Donald Duck voice. You could like, there's money to be made from that moment hit back in the day. Like, they could have just like sucked all this money up, and that's totally Disney's MO, you know? They could have just jumped in and be like, we want uh, songwriting credit. <laughs> yeah. Collected those sweet, sweet disco duck royalties. <laughs> Dude, that is the only thing that's keeping our economy afloat in 2020 disco duck royalties. Yeah. It's like every, so every year has like the novelty songs that get big and we laugh about later. This was this year's novelty song, and it's everything. I think this is a good song to end on because it's like everything we talked on. The disco, the production value, and just the, the weird humor. <laughs> uh, oh, especially when he's he's taking the lead on the song now. Let's, let's sit back and, and let Donald uh, sing us out. Up, Donald. Imagine like being a kid and being like, I gotta get that Disco Duck single, and running down to the record store and picking it up and like putting it on in the house. 
and your dad, he's just your like, dad comes home from work all tired. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, what are you playing this duck music? <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here with your fucking duck music. I hate you, son. 